Do you ever wonder what it's like on the other side of the couch? Do you ever get curious about the conversations therapists have with one another? Or are you a therapist who loves to hear others talk about our work? If the answer is yes to any of these, you're in the right place. This is Therapy Talk, the place where therapists discuss therapy. I'm your host, Rachel Landman. Join me each episode where I invite my colleagues in the field to come discuss the work. morning, Amna. Thank you so much for joining us today at this podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you. Absolutely. Um, let's get started by having you talk a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Amna. I have been a clinician at Human Told for about four years now. Um, so I've been working mostly with individual clients. Um, I used to see couples and children earlier on in my time here, um, but I realized I just gravitated more towards individual one-on-one work. So that's been the primary focus for me for the last two and a half, if not three years. Um, and I, my, the population I work best with is those with anxiety disorders, um, traumas. I tend to focus on a lot of, um, you know, narrative work, inner child work, relational work. So I use the therapeutic tool as, um, I rely on that really, really heavily to cultivate um, and motivate change in people. So it's kind of what I've been doing for the last four years. Okay, great. And what is some of your educational background? So I studied at Clark University outside of Boston. I did my undergrad there um, for four years. I then took a year off. I'm from Pakistan, so I went back home and I worked in a, in a um, variety of different settings. I worked in a school, shadowed a school psychologist. I worked in a hospital, um, shadowed a little bit more intensive care patients. Um, so I got to really kind of do somewhat of a cool rotation to understand um, what I like, where my limits are, what felt a little too heavy for me. Um, and that year and a half really kind of solidified, um, okay, adults is kind of what I, is who I want to work with. Um, so I was able to rule out a lot. Um, and then I did my grad school in New York at Columbia for two years. Um, and then I landed up at Human Told. Okay, great. Thank you so much. So, um, you've been doing this for a few years now. If you could kind of look back and tell me what did it feel like when you start being a therapist and what did it feel what does it feel like now? That's very reflective. Um, I think in the beginning, um personally, there's so much imposter syndrome, there's so much anxiety. This is, I was very lucky to always know what I wanted to do. There was never a doubt in my mind from a very, very young age that this is the field that I wanted to land. So I was very headstrong and very, very focused. Um, And for me, I don't know why there was just no other option. It was either I'm doing this or I have no other interest that's at least this big. Um, So in the beginning, um, a lot of anxiety as a therapist present in the room. I could see it in my body language. My hand would shake or I would have to hold a really cold glass of water. My foot would shake pretty often. I would sweat a lot in the therapy, at the therapy chair. Um, I would second guess a lot of interventions. So it was very difficult for me as a result to be in the here and now because I was so heady. I was so in my mind, in my head. Um, asking myself, did I do the right thing? What am I going to do next? Um, I think that takes a while. I think 
you expose yourself to, to so much discomfort as a therapist and whether it's trying out new interventions or modalities or becoming comfortable with them or having difficult conversations like cancellation fee conversations or dealing with ruptured rapport these are all huge teaching moments so once I could really understand that these all eventually lead to growth and help me identify how assertive I want to be or how a directive I want to be um, today I can say I'm able to be extremely present. Um, I'm able to stay in the here and now. Um, I'm much more grounded um, when I'm um, in the therapy chair, virtually or in person. Um, that's one of the biggest changes for me is I, I'm, I'm not second guessing. I'm just kind of letting the client lead the way. And I have a lot more confidence in the treatment plan or what we're doing, or I know exactly what intervention I'm using and why. And I can explain that to the client much better. Um, so you learn a lot of language, I would say, and you learn a lot of tools and you understand what works for you with different diagnoses and clients and presentations. So you, you gain a lot of confidence over the years that really only gets learned through experience. Yeah, I think in this kind of field, in a lot of fields like this, practice is really the only thing that can teach you. You can learn theory and you can learn do role plays in school and do all of that thing um but unless you're thrown in the deep end you cannot learn that you cannot um again it's discomfort that we have to become so comfortable with and that only really comes through sitting with a patient or sitting with a client yeah absolutely and what is it like for you now also being a clinical supervisor and seeing um people kind of start where you started a few years ago going to the same journey what is it like from your perspective now watching other people go through that yeah it's a, it's a super interesting full circle because I can empathize with them I've been in their position I've um, you know watched them have the same anxieties that I used to have watched them have the same very critical self-thinking that they used to have and um, I think one of the biggest things is you know in first of all, normalizing, this is okay to have these very conflicting feelings. It's okay um, to not feel like you were on your A game today. It's okay to even get to the point of questioning, is this the right work for me or not? And these are all very normal thoughts to have in the beginning. And then once I like to kind of do a lot of reflections. And so you're into, you know, after being supervised, you're obviously a very different clinician from a year ago. So I think recognizing um, strengths and the skills you've developed and the skills you're interested in developing and consistently having those checkpoints is is so important um, to let them also know, hey, you are doing work. Yeah, whether or not you recognize it, these are tools that you have developed. And um, I think also the the anxiety bit, right? I, I welcome it and sit with it, sit with questions, sit with um, just kind of welcoming the nuances of this field and welcoming holding spaces for things that are going on personally for a clinician too because it's it's going to impact work and we don't want to compartmentalize to a point where it's destructive we need to recognize kind of the human as a whole and personal life may come into supervision sometimes and that's okay too um 
so it's it's been an interesting full circle but I also normalize I'm human too and I reach out for support too and um, I think this is just a learning process we all learn from each other as much as I hope my supervisors learn from me there's things I learn from them too um, so I like I like that dynamic I love that that's it's so interesting to kind of see other people go through what you've been through it also really solidifies how far you have come yourself in your journey it's like oh I I remember that whew, I'm glad I'm not there anymore yeah. um so it feels really validating to remember to kind of help others through that journey mm -hmm. um what would you say is your current philosophy in therapy what do you think therapy is for and what perspectives do you work from mm -hmm. This is funny because you were my supervisor. One conversation we had was, "What is what is therapy?" And the very simple answer was, "It's a healthy relationship. It's a healthy relationship." Um, so I've always kind of maintained that philosophy and trying to explain what it is. It's I think it's a relationship, um, kind of like a test relationship, if you will. But it's a relationship where you try your best to bring your authentic genuine self in the room you're not worried about strengths or weaknesses or flaws, and we try to avoid that kind of language but you just bring yourself in judgment free um, allow yourself to free associate and we're paying attention to things that are said but also things that are not said we're paying attention to nonverbals, and so for me it's it's a space that you create where you can sit with things that you haven't been able to talk through or process or understand or drop patterns about. And we work together. I work as the guide, but we work very collaboratively to kind of just make sense of why you're feeling the way you are, why you're thinking the way you are, why you're behaving the way you are, so that you leave feeling that you have some insight of, oh, I'm not just this way because of something. I'm this way because of all of these different things that have accumulated. Um, so the insight hopefully can allow you to make choices then, right? Either you continue to engage with behaviors that are serving you well, or you have the choice to say, okay, maybe this is where I want to have some tools and learn some tools to tweak what's not working for me. Okay. So if I'm understanding correctly, it's like, it's all about the relationship between you and the client and what it feels like to be in the room together and and to talk to each other mm -hmm. how how do you clients respond to that kind of philosophy and approach I think at least with my clients I find it's what they need it's actually really terrifying um how many clients you see living in New York in the early 20s early 30s late 40s that are just so lonely and um they don't have I mean, sometimes I'll ask when you're not feeling okay, who can you call? And it's so surprising. They'll say, I don't have one person I can identify. So I think that focus on a space where they're feeling seen, they're feeling hurt, they're feeling validated. They feel I'm connecting with somebody on a human level and there's so much empathy. If I can help you feel less alone for one hour in the week, even I'm hoping that that develops into some sense of worth of oh I'm worthy of this or this is the feeling I want to replicate in other relationships this is the kind of connection I want to create not only with others but I want to hold space for in other people too 
Um, so I think, yes, I think it's very relationally driven um, because I think that's just what humans need. That's what the world needs. It's, it's just authenticity and, and genuineness from everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I find it interesting that you targeted specifically New Yorkers. Do you find other states, other countries respond differently to that question? I think I've only worked mostly with clients from New York, but I think in just conversations with people in general, with friends across different cities um, and things like that, loneliness is typically brought up more by New Yorkers. It's such a big city. It's such a fast-paced city. It's such a competitive city, um, but it's also very individualistic. You look out for yourself. You walk fast. You talk fast. Everyone's always working with this goal in mind consistency, consistently. And so as a result, I feel like relationships fizzle um, and people don't give importance to relationships um, because they're so goal driven, which is great. I wish both could exist at the same time, but, you know, loneliness is not going to be fulfilled by a job or a specific amount of money or material things. It's going to be only fulfilled by what's in your heart. And that's for me, that's relationships more than anything. They make you feel, they make you laugh, they make you cry, they make you frustrated, all of these different things, but you're emoting and you know, you're know you not really living if you're not emoting and feeling the spectrum of human emotions that you are supposed to, tough ones and easy ones. So it's, it's, part, of the, it's part of the idea of therapy with you to learn to build these relationships and to have more of that in your life so that if you feel like some of the mental health concerns people have and coming with are due to the fact that we're so isolated in the city? Yeah, totally. I think um, what I want them, a client to leave with is to be authentic and find the comfort in being authentic, right? So it's okay that you have this quirk. It's okay that you're not the best at X, Y, Z. It's okay to be really good at something that's, not common in other people, but you have to, you have to be okay admitting it and you have to, you know, empower yourself to say, this is me and this is me and my wholeness. And there's so much shame that comes up a lot of times with people and their experiences and their personalities and their characteristics that they've developed. But again, going back to that understanding of you weren't born this way. There's a lot of experiences that happened that led you to these interests or ideas or hobbies and beliefs. And we have to express gratitude that this is who you are today. And these are reasons why you are this way. And unless you can accept yourself truly in your heart, um, no one else can accept you, right? It has to come from within. So I really try to get clients to just really embrace all sides of them, to not judge them. Um, and that can hopefully lead to some kind of internal fulfillment and then to bring that that version of themselves into other spaces so they don't feel like they're wearing a mask too a lot of time clients will say i feel like i'm wearing a mask in front of this person or that person so we have to understand what are you holding back and why are you holding back and why are you guarded um wouldn't it be nice to just be able to be yourself and not have these anxieties or symptoms that you start to develop or coping mechanisms that are maladaptive you start to develop in spaces to hide your authentic self? That's that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time and energy and playing chess in your mind to think steps ahead to prepare. And um, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And 
Absolutely. It's a lot, but I, I do love this perspective and, and this idea of pushing people into their authentic self and allowing them to build real connections. And yeah, the city, the city's rough and it's tricky and um, it's certainly an element that's that's missed. And we hear that from our clients all the time when, when they're dating or when mm-hmm. they're going out and trying to find real connections. It's just really, really hard. Yeah. And there's so much rejection in a big city too, right? Whether it's dating, like you said, whether it's job, whatever it is, there's rejection after rejection. And that's going to build into someone's self-esteem and their psyche and their self-worth. And so we have to kind of sometimes externalize or sometimes understand, hey, you're in a really tough city. You're in a really tough environment. We have to consider that when we're looking at symptoms too. Maybe you move to Colorado in the mountains and somewhere where it's beautiful and there's way more access to nature. You always have to think of environment in and playing a huge role in exacerbation of symptoms or reduction of symptoms. So um, I think New York is just, it's such a tough place. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Amna, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight and your perspective. Are there any last things that you'd like to share today? No, I think um, I love to focus on just the city that we're living in, I guess. I think um, I'm hoping that that can offer validation to someone who is feeling just kind of stuck or maybe frustrated with themselves. Um, And I appreciate um, the space you've created. And thank you for chatting with me today and having me on. Of course. Thank you so much, Amna. We'll talk soon. Thank you.